Hi there and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me, Alastair Appleton. May all sentient beings be happy. Well, here's the thing, Mary and any parents in the room, is that when children are little, we are responsible for sorting out their problems. It depends, you know, and, you know, when does that stop? Well, you know, that's a moot point. But it definitely doesn't go beyond 20. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now, now here's the other thing. Because here's the other thing, that as parents, we can also end up using our children to offload our discomfort about ourselves and about our own journey, and we, we, we're constantly worrying, inverted commas, caring for, inverted commas, our children, but actually it's a function of our own exiting. We don't want to deal with our own shit, so we're going to kind of worry about our kids. We're going to micromanage our children's life. And this is profoundly unhealthy for everybody. So there, becomes, there comes a really important point where you do have to separate. You do have to then, as a, you know, the old empty nest syndrome, you know, as a mother or a father, you have to then come back to, oh, actually, I now need to live my own life again. It's a very important thing, and essentially this practice is about taking responsibility for our stream of karma. So karma is everything that constitutes you, so your gender, your race, your body, your um, age, your um, sexuality, your upbringing, your background, your nationality, your tendencies, your traumatic patterns, your habits, your thoughts. Everything that arises as you sit is the kind of upwelling of your particular unique karma. And we need to take responsibility for that because if we're farming it out to other people, it's, it's, it's crippling your own growth it's probably messing up the other person's growth, and it's very uncompassionate. So this is when a, this is when a, uh, a supportive other can be really useful. So a therapist, spiritual teacher, or um, a counselor, someone that's not you're not intimately re- involved with. You know, it's not fair to make your partner or your uh, parents or your children do that work for you. Um, there's a certain amount that we can do ourselves, but sometimes, particularly if we live very much in our thoughts, um, it's, difficult, it's difficult to work with that on our own. And therefore, it's, sometimes it's useful to have someone who can reflect back more clearly what is going on. But the truth of the matter is that it's our thoughts that distort reality. The body, if we're really in our body, it's never distorted. It's just, you're just in your body. But if we believe our thoughts about our body, for example, or if we believe um, 
you know, our thoughts about our emotions or our thoughts about a relationship, then we can get very confused. But this practice brings us back to a very simple and direct and workable reality that's not, it's not very fancy or like, you know, um, ethereal. It's, it's painful and it's quite nuts and bolts, but you can, you can process it, you can work with it. But this thought body, the thought-constructed reality that we often live in, um, this can really confuse us. But as you grow up and you become you know, more confident of your own process, then you can work with your own process more skillfully. And then it's appropriate not to um, turn to a family member or an intimate other, but to turn to a skilled practitioner, someone who can reflect it. It's just le it's less messy. Because very often, it's the intimate other or the family member that is causing a lot of the confusion. Not, not, not intentionally, but it's just the dynamic of the situation. And so to have someone who's got nothing to do, you know, you pay them, so it's a completely kind of transparent um, relationship. They don't have any vested interest other than you getting well or being happier or being freer. And so that they can see more clearly. It's very difficult if you're totally besotted with someone and you're saying, you're, you're hurting me, you're hurting me, you need to change, well, maybe I need to change, no, you change, you know, when you change, you change wrong, you know, then you're all tied up in the mess. But if you go to someone who's just like a clean mirror, they can go, mm, but do you see what you're doing? Do you see how, you know, how much of this is your thing? And that can be very, very helpful. This practice is really about sorting out our own stall so that we can own our own shit and we can be with our, literally, the difficult and painful in ourselves and recognize that's not a problem, that's just part of being alive. And so we then, by not projecting that out onto other people, not expecting other people to make us feel better, immediately the atmosphere in a relationship becomes, becomes more workable. Because you're not expecting that person to, uh, to do something to make you feel more comfortable. You can tolerate the fact that they make you feel uncomfortable. But that is, a, that is a whole other piece of work. The important point is that you can't really do compassion work until you've done this practice. Because until you can stay with your own discomfort and your own experience, you're always going to be distorting other people's um, role in the world. So the kind of becoming adult and becoming uh, tolerant of your own process <coughs> And actually kind of falling in love with it, even if it's painful and difficult and messy and traumatized. It's yours. It's very precious. And so in some ways, this practice is about coming back and, and falling in love with your life again, falling in love with your life, your particular strand of, of manifestation. Which, of course, is, is not going to be uh, pink and fluffy and lovely, but it's, it's alive and real. Um, and the, the, the truth of life is that it is uncomfortable. And the sooner we can uh, inhabit that discomfort and just be okay with it, the easier we'll move through life. 
because um, this was something that Reggie really hammered home a lot at the last retreat when he was teaching this practice. We must resist the temp temptation to make ourselves comfortable. And this is like, what? You're crazy. Everything I do in my life is about trying to make myself comfortable. And from the Buddhist point of view, this is really the problem about human beings living together. Because if we are all trying to make our lives comfortable, then that necessarily means that we are going to impact the people around us, usually in a negative way. Because if we want to be comfortable, that usually means making somebody else carry our discomfort. So, I want the blanket, so you can't have it. I want that last piece of coconut shortbread with ice cream, with uh, strawberries on top, so you can't have it. I need the electric blanket on, so you'll just have to sweat. I need to talk to get this off my chest, so you'll just have to listen. So the, uh, the problem, this is, again, it's a slightly different course, but the problem with trying to make ourselves comfortable is that it's profoundly uncompassionate. Because in making ourselves comfortable, we almost always make someone else or the environment around us uncomfortable. So being able to tolerate discomfort and, and work with it and just work with it in a, on our own is the beginning of what Trumpa calls basic sanity. We're not driving ourselves nuts to achieve something that we can't really ever achieve because human beings can't ever be completely comfortable because eventually we're going to die, our bodies foul up. You know, the world is not designed to make us happy. The world is designed to be the world. And so the sooner we can tolerate our discomfort and recognize that being human involves a certain amount of discomfort, not total discomfort all the time, then the more peaceful and peaceable we will be in the world and the less we will have to tie ourselves in knots and struggle and strain and strategize and plot to get what we want. We can tolerate that, yep, yeah, being alive involves a certain amount of discomfort. And if we can just stay with that, then we can act wisely and kindly from that point. So we have to resist the temptation of like when we drop into the heart of like panicking, going, okay, it doesn't feel all fluffy and like unicorns, so I need to, I need to do something. It will never feel fluffy and like unicorns. It will feel human and alive. So let's just grow up and be with that. And this is a, an, it is a function of being more adult. Because of children, as children, we can't really tolerate discomfort. We shouldn't have to. And that's what parents are for. They're there to, to mitigate and mediate our discomfort because we can't really function as infants, as children. But as we grow up, we, are, you know, we have bodies that are absolutely designed to work with discomfort and to use the discomfort as a signal that something needs to calibrate, something needs to metabolize, something needs to come into homeostasis. So we need to listen to this discomfort, tolerate it, and then follow its lead. But we don't need to, we, do, we, 
we need to resist the temptation, although it's very difficult, to exit the pain or the discomfort and then try and strategize and change the world or change everything so that it goes away. Because it, it won't go away, but we'll just exit our body. Thank you for listening and please do join us again for more podcasts from MindSprings. You can find out more about us and our work at mind-springs.org. That's mind-springs.org.